Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2305. Today I'm talking with a Polish automotive designer who's introducing a new brand that has done a collaboration with one of the most famous design houses in the world, Paninfarina. So be prepared to be inspired. Oh, and the car's electric, too. That's pretty cool. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Warwick in the UK. I seem to be getting across the pond quite a bit these days, but I probably should be in Poland, and you'll understand that in a few moments. But I'm with a very special guest by the name of Mariusz Beckus. Mariusz, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Let's do it. All right, we're going to have some fun. Now, before I give you an introduction and I explain the Polish connection and you being in the UK and a very cool new automobile and a collaboration between some very interesting companies, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you? Well, in addition to my daily responsibility as a car designer, uh, along with my wife, we also curate and uh, creatively direct a swiss fashion brand called zocalilo so not only do i design cars uh but we also do uh women's fashion as well oh very cool now say this is zocalilo zocalilo in switzerland yeah oh wow well we are quite a worldly family this is very cool indeed so it's women's fashion so is it clothing or handbags no it's a primarily we focus on sustainable uh vegan uh alternative to animal leathers uh, accessories. Uh, we are working on developing a men's collection as well, but uh, it's uh, it's really trying to look at fashion uh, from a sustainability perspective, connecting, of, of course, connecting different trends uh, by different suppliers throughout the world as well and, and see what, uh, what we can do. This is very cool. I love it. Uh, entrepreneurial family, it sounds like to me. So It's a team effort, absolutely. Well, let me give you an introduction. We're going to dive into a very cool world. Mariusz Bekas is the design manager for the Polish EV startup brand Izera. Currently, he is responsible for their design operations in exterior, interior, and HMI development. Izera is part of a new global partnership between the parent company, Electromobility Poland, Geely Automotive, and world-renowned design house Paninfarina. Mariusz's lifelong passion for drawing led him to a pursuit of studies in industrial and transportation design. Upon graduating from the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, he returned to Europe to begin his career in automotive design with Jaguar Land Rover. His decades-long experience with JLR involved both exterior and interior development, most currently of which was his role of leadership interior design of the award-winning Jaguar I-Pace and the all-new Jaguar F-Pace, too. Oh, spectacular vehicles. We'll be back in just a moment to learn a lot more about Ezera and what, what we're doing there. But first, a word from our sponsors. We'll give them a little love. They keep the petrol in the tanks. Or in this case, maybe uh, the charge in the batteries, because we're going to be talking about EV. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Mariusz, we are back. Uh, let's dive into your world of design. And before we get into Ezera, this new brand, an EV brand, I want to talk a little bit about your design career as a whole. Is this something that you always dreamed of doing? Because you ended up at one of the uh, the top schools for automotive design. And then we'll take a, a deeper dive into uh, this new Ezera automobile. Absolutely. I think it's uh, when looking back on it, uh, it's it's a story of full circles. Fundamentally, growing up in Poland, uh, in the, born in the early 80s, we had the opportunity to emigrate to Canada, uh, where the opportunities are a lot more open to artists and designers and creatives. And through the help of my parents, uh, ended up uh, studying industrial design, where I was really exposed to transportation design. But uh, being a child of the 80s, obviously, automobiles and the freedom that they gave us was something that was uh, one of the great milestones of, of, of our um, adolescence. Uh, I grew up in the tuner culture, uh, guilty to say that, but um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was really a passion to have that car and to have that as an extension of myself and to keep me occupied, keep me out of trouble. But at the same time, I've always had a passion for art, for visual communication, and kind of the two led themselves down a natural path. And upon graduating from industrial design, the world of uh, uh, transportation design really opened myself up and uh, myself and a couple of colleagues from school at the time, we kind of all went separate ways in, in terms of our studies. I was fortunate enough to be accepted into Art Center College of Design, uh, where really with the help of my parents, spent fabulous, amazing four years there, which really opened up my eyes, not only towards design, but also uh, the art of storytelling, you know, the communication, uh, but all, more importantly, the, the automotive culture itself. I, I don't think there's another place in the world, much like uh, South of California, to be really absorbed into that culture. And um, upon graduation, uh, I was fortunate enough to emigrate back to Europe uh, to look for opportunities and uh, took on a role with uh, Jaguar Land Rover. Uh, initially working on the uh, Land Rover side of, of, of the business. And then I was uh, given the opportunity to join the Jaguar team 
on the interior side, uh, and as you've mentioned, leading the leading the interior development of uh, the first all electric uh, Jaguar I Pace, and then moving on to uh, develop the all new top hat for Jaguar F Pace, which um, perhaps it was the interior it always deserved, but fantastic brand. Fantastic people. Obviously, uh, being exposed to the leadership of Ian Callum, uh, who's an icon and a legend, is probably once in a lifetime experience. But also on the other side, from Range Rover, you know, from Land Rover Range Rover on the German Govern, which are uh, probably two polar opposites. But to be around them and to be really able to absorb their approach to design and and uh, their command of, of of the product and uh, how they approach the customers' needs uh, was a really life lesson that um, not everyone gets to experience. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, very cool. What a background and bravo on the job you and your team did on those vehicles because they're spectacular. Really, really cool. And, you know, I'm sitting here and you're saying a, a child of the 80s. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel old. Uh, but it, it's <laughs> kind of the same because I have an 84 E46 M3 that I bought new and still have it today. It's I just love that car. It's wonderful. But I, you know, when I grew up, the 70s were kind of my time period. So uh, I'm a, a few decades behind you, maybe more than maybe more than that. Afraid to say, but we all tend to migrate to what we wish we could have when we were a kid. And now that we're adults and we have the money, we can get those things. But what you're doing uh, with this combination of three brands, I really want to dive into this because uh, your uh, one of your colleagues reached out to me and told me what you guys are doing, and I what first caught my mind because I wasn't. Real familiar with Electromobility Poland, uh, nor Geely Automotive, but Paninfarina, okay, heard of them before because of the relationship, of course, with Ferrari and Lancia and all these other cars that they did. But I'd like you to start by talking about Electromobility Poland and the other brands that I mentioned. And then we're getting into this new car because this is an electric vehicle. And my gosh, you're living in a time that I think is unprecedented in the speed of change in the automotive world. It must make your head spin every day. But can you tell us a little bit more first about the parent company, Electromobility Poland? So Electromobility Poland uh, was started with the idea that as we venture into this new world of EV vehicles, uh, there's a greater opportunity for newcomers to stake out a part of the market that traditionally would be reserved for the traditional legacy OEMs. And do you combine that with the idea that Poland uh, within the European market is the largest consumer without a home brand, without home OEM manufacturer? There really is an opportunity to bring forward a brand that is made in Poland, developed in Poland, and sold across the greater European continent. Uh, There are a lot of OEM brands that have factories, and uh, there's a very talented and skilled workforce in Poland. However, due to, you know, the events around communism and then the fall of communism, the Polish automotive industry, much like uh, the rest of the world, um, also went with it. And I think there's a there's a really good opportunity now to stake our own part of the market, especially in a world where everybody is kind of on level footing. Well, Poland is interesting to me. My son did a, a student exchange program and got to go stay in Poland for a while with a family. And really eye-opening for him. And one of the cool things when he was there was uh, his host family said, what does your dad do? And he go, oh, my dad's really into cars. And at the time, I wasn't doing this podcast. I was part of a company that we were building that evolved around car care and products. And he got to visit uh, Kirkham Motorsports, where they're building the uh, aluminum Cobras. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And yeah, old that used to be, I think they were in a shop where they used to build uh, fighter jets and things like that. That's right. Mix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Phenomenal craftsmanship. Absolutely. Well, that's why I bring it up is the craftsmanship. And so 
this is very cool. Uh, EMP is, is known, Electromobility Poland uh, is making strides. But let's talk about the new brand here because this new car, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of pictures of it, but it's very intriguing. And before you tell me about the car, I'd love to hear your impressions of What's going on in the automotive industry now with EV? Because this is like a freight train barreling down on all of us. And as you said, there's opportunity here for new brands. Absolutely, there's opportunity. I think uh, if if you go back to your conversation with Richard Rollins, uh, I think he he nailed it quite correctly. Because fundamentally, we're one of it is the consumers asking for it, but the other element is um, the change is being kind of forced upon us. So we have two things that we can do: one, we can sit around and just wait for everybody to beat us to it, right? Or we can do the hard thing and and actually try and and, and create something from scratch. Now. Where I think a lot of the, what I meant earlier by saying that we're on all on level footing is nobody really knows the exact formula that you can apply to, to get the perfect result. Obviously, electric cars have been done in the past over a hundred years ago. And then, you know, the onset of, uh, internal combustion engines with whether it was petrol or diesel. But now as we're being forced to, fall into compliance with with uh, battery electric vehicles. Really, the opportunity is there to stake out something new. Now, uh, the question is, what is how will our customer be perceptive to it? Do they want a brand that is screaming and shouting and completely new, or do they want something that's a little bit more familiar? I think the challenge for us with Electromobility Poland is that we are not only creating a new vehicle, but we're also establishing a completely new brand. And, and with those two elements, they really need to have a cohesive and a harmonious message uh, to the customer. So that that, from a perspective of a designer, uh, taking my experience on board, but also the challenge, it, it, it's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, is it difficult? Absolutely. It's probably the most difficult challenge that um, I, along with my colleagues, have faced. But uh, that that is really the excitement. And, and the fact that uh, you know, the other brands are going through the same motions that we are. Uh, there aren't perfect solutions. Uh, some brands are taking different strategies. You can see, especially with uh, some of more of the established OEMs, they're trying to create sub-brands uh, of electric battery vehicles, all in an effort to try and kind of find the right solution uh, that the customers will, will buy into. I would think that this combination of three companies uh, creates a, a really high demand for the understanding of multi, multiple additionary, blah, blah, blah. Have to, now tell me how to say that in Polish. Multidisciplinary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Design processes. I mean, you're dealing with three major brands here, and they all have to come together and the teams all have to come together to create something that is new and innovative. How does that work in, in a brand? I mean, you've got all these different mindsets. I would imagine it's probably pretty exciting because you got all these geniuses coming together in a room to create something new. Is that how it's looked upon or do you have to really segment the different departments of each company? I think the, the perfect word to describe that would be a partnership. Uh, where we come in as EMP, we are the curators of the whole entire process. So everything happens under our guidance uh, and our uh, over us overseeing the entire process. Now, what we cannot do as a startup is to create a completely new infrastructure with, with the resources and the expertise and the talent in the country where most of that talent is situated in, is somewhere else outside its borders, uh, because due to the fact that the industry does not exist. So Something has to come first. It's the chicken or the egg. And uh, very much the strategy was taken that we would look for 
world-renowned, qualified, but high-tech partners that would allow us to achieve a competitive product within the marketplace. And uh, the vehicles that we've shown at the end of uh, 2019, 2020, were very much the idea to capture not only public's imagination, but also to validate some of the assumptions that, that we've put forward uh, as a business plan. And those vehicles then allowed us to go out and um, source the platform technology that would allow, allow us to underpin the the styling and the body and the entire product. And uh, upon uh, many, many uh, different uh, reviews and, and uh, discussions and assessments with different suppliers, uh, Geely was chosen as the most favorable, but also the most uh, applicable in our, in our case uh, due to the business plan. Uh, which really allowed us to to buy into their platform technology. Now, where we have the freedom is to establish our own platform dimensions that would suit our portfolio of vehicles, because uh, it, currently the, the plan is to propose three different vehicles all, all on the same platform, which uh, if you've seen what's happened in the past with uh, traditional OEMs trying to share platforms, there is a compromise that has to be made uh, right. due to the nature of the shared components, uh, not the proportions sometimes suffer. And where we have the opportunity is is that we get to dictate those proportions from the very beginning. Now, the third component of, of the equation is the um, the styling resources. Now, under our leadership within EMP, our head of design, Tadeusz Yelets, uh, a good friend of mine from Jaguar Days as well, and myself, we form the core of the design team from EMP. However, you cannot design a car, much less three, with just two individuals. And this is really where the expertise of Pin and Farina uh, come into play. Uh, they're not only our resource, uh, extension to our resources, but they also bring in the Pin and Farina name. Um, and this is quite a, quite a, a, an interesting partnership where you look at uh, the technology from from Geely, uh, and the styling expertise from Pin and Farina, and, and and the kind of the know-how and internal know-how from from EMP really create a global partnership, um, but one that uh, allows us also to look inside the European market and perhaps approach the a, a Zera product from a slightly different perspective. Something that. Um, being inside the country and not being exposed to to the culture and the, to the uh, consumer tendencies uh, might be quite difficult. Uh, so to have an outside perspective is is really quite a benefit. I would imagine. Now you mentioned three. My understanding is you'll have an SUV, a hatchback, and a wagon. Correct. Ah, oh, yeah, I love wagons. We just don't get any of those. Well, very many of those anymore on this side of the water, which is kind of a bummer. Of course, I grew up in the seventies. My parents had a. Uh, Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, if you think back to the design studies yeah, yeah, yeah. with the cool yeah. windows up above, almost like the VW bus in a way, when you think back to those, the multi-window buses. But uh, I always thought that was cool, but we just don't see many of those anymore. But in Europe, and I love going to Europe because you see so many wagons on the road, uh, but of course, SUVs dominate the market, at least here. So that decision to do those three, to me, is very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is that because of what the market is demanding? I think you have to realize that also trying to create a new brand, you have to look at fleet sales and uh, what the fleet sales demand in terms of volume, cargo capacity, and hence the uh, the vast array of vehicle offerings from, from our business uh, strategy. It's interesting to me, but it makes sense. And you mentioned earlier the idea of multi-platforms. Uh, Many brands have tried to do this and they all end up being a bit 
compromised. My that's, viewpoint. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. As Absolutely. a consumer, the first one that comes to mind, and I'm a Porsche fanatic, as my listeners know, is the 996, which shared a lot of components with the Boxster, which diminished the 911, maybe brought the Boxster up, but there was the middle ground didn't quite make sense to those those two cars. So, uh, but certainly we've seen it in many, many other cases, and especially over here in the U.S. with a lot of things, say across GM platforms or even Ford, where you're like, well, wait, is that a is that really a Chevy or is that a Buick or is that what, what is that? <laughs> you know, so and we see we're starting to see a lot more of that uh, over this side of the pond uh, with, okay. with with some of the partnerships. Uh, obviously, the vehicle platforms are making their way down from America and being rebadged as Alfa Romeos. Um, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you do see that the proportions do suffer. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where will these vehicles be built? Will they be built in Poland? The vehicles will be built in, and assembled in uh, our yet-to-be-built uh, Yavozhno factory, uh, which is in the uh, region of the Azarian Mountains, hence the name of the uh, of the vehicle. Work, uh, as you can imagine, being a new startup with a very aggressive timing plan, uh, a lot of those elements are going in parallel. Um, we're developing the vehicle at the same time that uh, the teams are building the plans for the factories and, and the land is being prepared. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, this is this is from the dirt up. So this is pretty exciting stuff. There's no going back. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> you're there. All cylinders going. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. And I've had guests on the show that have been involved in this ground up factory. They get to be involved in some of the design aspects there and how this whole thing's going to come together. Oh, my gosh. This is a lot of moving parts. Is there a date? Well, there must be a date when the first cars cars are supposed to roll off the assembly line. Currently, the forecast is for the first vehicles to roll off the assembly line end of 2025. Wow, that's fast. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, we better get going because uh, you got a lot to do, my friend. Uh, <laughs> that's that's amazing. I can't wait to see uh, what you guys end up with. We'll have to have you back or maybe your colleague, Tadush. Is that how his name said? Tedez, yeah. Tedez, Tedez. Have your calling Tedez back to talk about that when uh, the cars are rolling off the line. You know, I like to talk about what I call our driving inspirations. You've worked around some incredible mentors in your life. You talk about your time at uh, Jaguar Land Rover. Is there somebody in your life that really stands out that was very influential and very helpful? Absolutely. But for that, I would have to probably go back to my Art Center days. And the beautiful thing about Art Center, which is quite unique, and, and it's not actually something that's uh, found in many schools outside of North America, uh, CCS would be probably the other one, is that you have working professionals. And, and one of the individuals that I really look up to, but also have been really influenced by is uh, Marek Djordjevic. Uh, Marek uh, was known for his time at um, Rolls-Royce developing the phantom but uh during uh, my studies at uh, art center he really was a, a source of influence uh from the way that he spoke about design to the way he approached students um you know the kind of uh, open-mindedness and even when he would look at portfolios there was an element that uh, he would kind of just try and guide you down your own path and not try to impose something upon uh, upon you that uh, maybe he he would like and th- and this was really then reflected in my other mentor Per se, uh, my first manager at uh, at uh, Jaguar, Ed Willis, has very much the same mentality. It um, allows you to kind of speak up, uh, present your work, uh, gets you out there in front of in front of the um, the head bosses. Doesn't hold you back, doesn't take your work, but really allows you to kind of flourish and and and, and really present yourself in the best way possible. But also looks at strategy and approaches problems from. Uh, from experience and sees obstacles along the path 
that uh, we know we will hit, hit later down the road. So those two individuals are really uh, some of the people that I've tried to model myself. And uh, as I mentioned before, design is a, is a partnership. Uh, it's not designed by one one individual. So having those personal relationships within a team is very important. How you treat people, how you let them flourish, uh, which I only believe makes a stronger team. Absolutely. Very fun. One of the great things about Art Center, and again, having so many guests on the show who graduated from there and some of the instructors, uh, I can see that in uh, in many, many ways. Challenges. Now, let's talk about this. I liked for people to share a huge challenge that they faced, either in business or personal, but more importantly, what it taught them, because at the time, they're not fun to go through. But when you come out of them, you go, okay, maybe that was a good thing that I had to I had to deal with that. Is there something like that, a time in your life? Absolutely. Uh, this is not one I, I tell many people, but... Uh, oh, I'm getting a scoop. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, just upon starting uh, with the Land Rover, I was fresh out of school, uh, eager to join. And um, I must say it didn't last very long because after a month, my contract was uh, was terminated. Oh, no. But I was given... Uh, well, it was it was probably the, the wrong person for the wrong job at the time. Uh, however, that did open up opportunities uh, within... Uh, Land Rover's other department, where I got to be part of a team and kind of lead a team that looked at uh, expanding the Land Rover licensing deals and creating bespoke merchandise products, which kind of tied back to my days of industrial design and doing product design, which then opened up my uh, contacts with uh, with Jaguar and, and allowed me to to join over to Jaguar. So even though at the time it was it was quite difficult to to kind of swallow that, and there were a lot of thoughts going through my mind as a young designer whether I can make it in the business. But fundamentally, it, you know, it's a blessing in disguise. And, and since then, there were a lot of uh, events that happened along the way, along the journey, which were only enablers to, 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 to the greater goals to be achieved. So that's really taught me to to kind of keep the head up. Uh, no matter how bad the situation is, uh, tomorrow's a new day. And yesterday, we can't implement. So I love it. That's the uh, great example of when one door closes, another opens. But you've got to be willing to look for that door. That can open. Absolutely. Yeah, versus just walking away with your head down. Wonderful story. I thank you for sharing that. Looking ahead, bucket list accomplishments. I mean, what you guys have planned there is quite bold and fast and, and really quickly moving. I wanted to kind of twist this question up with you a little bit in the worlds of EVs, because as you said, in your generation, um, this EV change that's happening is happening really fast. And I just wanted to get your personal impressions of where we're going with this and what, and I'll re rephrase this because I, I would set you up for failure if I said, do you really like EVs? Because <laughs> you're obviously working for a company that does it. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, what has you most excited about the opportunities that electric vehicles are going to bring us? I'm most excited about the opportunities from electric vehicles in, in, in the terms of the packaging that allows us. It, it definitely makes greater use of the space. Uh, uh, um, yeah. By trade, my specialty is interior design. And uh, traditionally in the business, it's called interior design for a reason. Uh, and that's uh, a lot of effort, a lot of money, uh, easy to spend on vehicle dynamics uh, and the exterior. And a lot of the times, at least has been in my experience, uh, the interiors are kind of a uh, little bit on the second, second plan. But whereas uh, EVs and fundamentally autonomy will lead us, and uh, 
I'm not saying I'm excited about this from an enthusiast perspective, but from a product offering. I think it, it will allow us to put emphasis back on the interiors, put uh, put the materials where they need to be, and to really enhance the the product experience. One of the discussions we've had uh, while during my time at my previous employer was if a brand is well very focused on being a driver's choice, what happens in the age of autonomy? What do we do? when the driver is no longer part of the equation. And I think there's there's really will depend on the brands that will have the equity to step outside of the automotive world and to offer services and experiences for the customer, which are still part of the brand, but looking outside of just the automobile. And and this is, as I mentioned, with what we're trying to do with Izera. It's not only a product that we're trying to develop, but we're trying to develop a completely new brand. And for that brand to survive in today's age, it needs to look just beyond a singular product, but to offer a, a complete customer experience. Well said. I'll tell you an interesting story. I'm into cars, obviously. My wife really hasn't ever been. She kind of tolerates my passion and my, <laughs> my craziness. However, when we were looking for her first SUV, she came off of having a uh, Acura Legend. If you remember those yes. vehicles, which yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. were nicely designed cars. And it was a great car. We had it for a long time. Uh, we went to look at all the SUV options. And I, in my mind, at first had the Acura, the first Acura, I think it was the MDX uh in my mind, but they were marking those things up over MSRP and I, I just can't do that. I'm like, I'm not going to buy a depreciating asset for more right. than what you're offering. So we ended up at BMW with the first X5 and this is a great example of the interiors being so important. She slid into that seat, looked around and said, this is it, buy it, I'm done. I said, we haven't even, yeah. you haven't even driven it. She goes, look at this interior compared to uh, the Acura. We went to the Dodge Durango, I think it was at the time, Jeeps, whatever they are. She goes, oh no, this, this is where I want to be sitting. That's it. That's yeah. It. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really made a difference. And we still have that vehicle. Well, the second we bought another one, uh, but it's almost 19 years old now. It's held up tremendously. And the inside of that car is still, well, uh, new cars are pretty crazy with all the electronics and, you know, the iPads on the dash and all this, but it's still <laughs> very comfortable. You get inside, you feel like you're in a really nice car and you feel at home and she likes the, yeah, animal, she likes the analog world, but I think you're right. And the opportunities that you designers have with these new vehicles with the space is, uh, yeah, so do a good job, okay? Those of us out Got there, it. those of us out there need it. We want it. Special vehicle stories. Is there a vehicle in your past that you'd like to share a quick story about? Well, I think we all kind of park back to the days when we were little and, and, uh, going back to my beginnings, you know, obviously child of the eighties, but uh, if you look at communist Poland at the time, vehicles weren't really something that everybody had or everybody could afford. I think my parents waited like three or four years in, in queue as in, you know, the ticket, ticket sequence to be able to purchase wow. the, the first vehicle. Oh so, my gosh. so it was really, they were, they were, they weren't quite as abundant as they are now. And, uh, much like every other Polish individual you probably speak with, um, our first vehicle was a Fiat 126, the Polsky Fiat. Um, under license from from the Italians, but uh, developed for the Polish market. And I remember my my, my earliest memories uh, driving with my dad, whether it was um, going to visit his, his side of the family, or he would uh, he he grew up. Uh, his father was a forest ranger, so they grew up uh, kind of in the middle of the forest on, on the on a government estate, but. Uh, to get to there, you had to drive through some forest roads. So my earliest memories, whenever I you know, 
we could drive up with him was to sit on his lap and I would steer. And uh, <laughs> and fun. I think maybe maybe that was kind of what um, you know sparked uh, my that passion for automotive, uh, not only automotive design but for the automotive culture but those are probably some of the earliest memories and now i have children of my own and and i I speak with my son who's eight and he looks at the cars that i've had and and he wants to have that one because you know that's what dad drove and i want to drive that so i think uh, a lot of those earliest earliest memories are the ones that we stick with the most you know that car obviously was never over here however uh, you know what comes to mind when you say that uh the actor tom hanks had one of those and yes he did yeah sold it at an auction not I think it was last year or two years ago or something like that. I think his was a 74, 75 or something like that. But uh, I had never really even, I probably had seen them. You kind of think of the Fiat 500 as another, you know, older style car. But Correct. That thing so little, but I thought, why would Tom Hanks have a Fiat 126? Very interesting. But uh, yeah, I think it was white. I remember right, but uh, okay, cool. I love it. Well, let's crawl into your head a little bit. I'm a car psychologist. I hold a special degree from some university that nobody's ever heard of. And uh, I want to crawl into your skull here. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why? Yeah, it's an easy one. It would, oh, it would okay. be a Land Rover Discovery. Oh, uh, okay. It's practical. It's it's dependable. It's it. it, it kind of take, takes life by the horns and just goes uh, there's there's no stopping and it. it's very much uh, how i kind of approach it maybe it was part of my north american upbringing i think definitely part of the uh, the american attitude the, the can-do attitude is something that i've i kind of uh, hold true in the way i conduct my profession um but if i was to reincarnate as a car is very much would be a land rover discovery for those very reasons now, would it be one of the older versions? Let's say for like nineties or. Uh, it would be the uh, would be the LR4. So not not the recent one, which is which is quite controversial, but the one before that, still quite boxy. I think the beautiful thing about that car was that it looks good on off road, but it also looks good uh, at a high end restaurant. You know, it, it's uh, it's. Um, Wolf and sheep's clothing yeah. in now, that regard. That brand was interesting to me because when it first came out, quality standards were quite suspect, but everybody wanted one because there was some level of status that came with that car. And I always scratched, always scratched yeah, my head yeah. going, where's this coming from? I, I don't quite get it. And we had friends that had the means. We didn't at the time when I was young, married, but they, they would buy them. And I'd, I'd look and go, okay, it's kind of cool looking, but you look at the quality build back then, very different now, of course, and you'd go, what? But looking back now, I get it. I mean, it, I mean, it goes all the way back to England and the Queen driving, you know, the, the Land Rover across the fields to go riding her horse. And I mean, it just has this this history to it, I think. And it's worldwide. It's very international. It is. It is. Yeah. But then also, you know, there's the history with the camel oh, racing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. So, so that was a really great part of that history to show its capabilities. But I've had, I've had a chance to do the Land Rover experience as well. And, you know, what those cars are capable of is, is oh, quite yeah. astounding due to their weight. But the, the, the technology on board and the vehicle adaptability is, uh, is second to none. They had those at the uh, the Quail, which is a wonderful automotive event that takes place yes, during Car yep. Week. And they would drive it up into the hillside, which didn't even look like there were roads up there. And I, I went in one. And where we went, I couldn't believe it. I, I'm yeah. like, are we going to roll over? I ah, don't worry. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, are yeah, you yeah. serious? They've come a long way, baby, as they say. How about a great book that you'd like to share with us? We love books here at Cars, yeah. I think uh, it's more from uh, a creative side rather than the uh – that's good. Automotive okay. passion side, but it will be the the word of art by Stephen Pressfield. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with that one. I'm sure a lot of creatives are. Yeah, it's 
touches on something that I think we all face, whether we're creatives or, you know, just in our own professions. It's, um, it's, it's that internal voice of resistance and something I definitely struggle with, uh, quite often, probably more so than, than, than not. But, uh, I find myself reading that book, uh, quite often uh, trying to kind of instill, you know, the idea to disassociate myself, uh, the, uh, the identity of the resistance from itself. So it's a, it's a really good read for individuals who kind of look at that voice inside telling them they can't do it. Uh, but uh, all they have to realize is that voice is not you. It's the resistance and, and to acknowledge it, to pay respect, but also to, to recognize that it does not, uh, does not control you. Yes. A great book. My father, who was a architect and an artist designer, uh, gave me a copy of that book. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a great book. Awesome. So before I let you go today, we're going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. So I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. You can take it anywhere and you can take anybody with you, including somebody from the past who's no longer with us, which makes an interesting riding companion. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? It's probably a little bit different than, than the previous guests, okay. but uh, the, the ultimate drive would have to be with my dad. It's uh, We don't share our passion for automotive uh, world uh, as much, but uh, he has been a great influence on me as far as the going out in nature. He's an avid hunter, um, but uh, I think that the ideal car that we would take there is... Um, an Earth Roamer uh, Overlander. Oh, uh, a company built. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with yeah. them, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they're based in Colorado. Very luxurious uh, off-roading experience. But uh, I think the idea there is that you know the vehicle as as a means to kind of go down the unpaved road, you know, to to, to go away from the, our everyday life and kind of get off the grid. And as we discussed earlier, kind of disconnect from the social media, from the news, from everything, and just be out there in the wilderness and you can literally change your scenery at the press of a button. Um, so that would be a ride that I would love to take. Yeah, man. Talk about, yeah, an escape vehicle. That thing's, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah it's uh, the camper on steroids, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can, absolutely. can go anywhere. So uh, very cool. Sounds like a wonderful journey you'd have with your father. Well, you've taken us on a marvelous journey today, and I can't thank you enough for sharing this new vehicle that your team is coming out with. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a wisdom, or a success quote of some kind? Absolutely. I think uh, for anyone who's uh, interested in the field of automotive design or just um, would like to know more, I think the, the idea there that it's really automotive design is something that's done by a team of not only artists, but very professionals, people with a great passion for what they do. And uh, something that people don't realize that all the vehicles out there have also, you know, they're done traditionally in automotive clay. And uh, so there's this great balance of artistry and, and uh, engineering and technical know-how, but uh, it's very much a, a partnership and it's not done by one individual, but a consortium of experts. Absolutely. Definitely. Just like most great things in, in the world. How can people learn more about Isera and Electromobility? Individuals looking to further learn about our brand uh, can visit us through all the major social media sources as Instagram, LinkedIn, but also through our website at electromobilitypoland.pl. Absolutely. I'll put links to all those on Mario's website. Uh, well, not his website, although now he's got a place on my website, on the Cartio website. I'll put links to all those so that you can check this out, learn what they're creating, and then maybe we have you or one of your teammates back uh, in a couple of years to talk about the final product as it rolls off. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to your colleague, Pavel, who has put us together today. Thank you very much for bringing uh, one of your teammates to the team. This has been really enlightening, uh, invigorating, and exciting. This is amazing. Uh, 
from the ground up, out of the dirt, comes a new brand for everybody. Oh, you know what? I should have asked you. Will the cars ever be available here in the U.S.? Definitely, it will be an opportunity. However, right now, at this moment in time, uh, the vehicles and the business plan is centered around uh, the mainland Europe. You guys get all the cool stuff. What's the deal? Well, I think if you, <laughs> yeah, the American market is a very specific one. Uh, not only for that, but also the safety regulations uh, do mean that uh, the homologation process is, uh, is quite more intensive yep. if you are doing vehicles on a global scale. I understand. Well, just have to get back over to Europe to have some fun. Marius, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing uh, this um, wonderful new vehicle you're bringing to the world. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you, hopefully, down the road. Mark, the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!